And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Is there something in your life that gives you meaning and purpose? Now, can you imagine what it would be like if you could make a living doing something that makes you feel really worthwhile, where getting up in the morning wasn't a chore, but it was something exciting. What would it be like if you could turn your passion into your profession? Now, on the podcast today, I'm going to be talking to someone who is doing just that. She's a super amazing woman, and she's the owner of one of my favorite restaurants here in Rochester, New York. So let me introduce you to my good friend, Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. The subject of your podcast is very much in line with me, so I'm really excited to be a guest today. Well, I'm super excited to have you here today because I know I've heard a little bit of your story in some of our conversations at the restaurant, and I just think it's fascinating, and I really believe that it's a story that needs to be told, and I think it'll really help to inspire some of the people listening. So uh, without further ado, let me just ask you to tell me a bit about it and how you got to where you are today. Oh, wow. This is a long story. So I'm going to, I don't know how far back to go because, you know, I really do believe that every, every choice, every experience in your life leads you to where you are today, right? It's hard to know where to start, but I think that I should start maybe just when I was a kid at home. I loved cooking and I loved following my mom around in the kitchen. I'm an only child, so I didn't have brothers and sisters to play with. So one of my favorite things to do as a child was to watch my mom in the kitchen and help her whenever she would give me a little task to do. At that time, I never had any dreams or aspirations of working in food service and certainly not in owning a restaurant. I'm learning how to feed myself when my parents weren't home, just like a life skill at that point. When I went to college, you know, the big pressure when you get out of high school is you got to go to college and you have to pick a career. You know, what are you going to do with your life? And, you know, being in my early 20s, I didn't really know. I figured that I wanted to do something that I enjoyed because, you know, you spend so much of your time working in your life, in your career. So at the time, one of my biggest interests was music and the music industry. So I really loved like older music, old bands. I really enjoyed music that would get reissued and, re, you know, remastering old recordings, stuff like that. I was really intrigued by like that type of stuff. Well, when I entered college, I was a biochem major when I first started because I liked math and science as a high school student. Um, so I entered as biochem. And within the first two weeks of college, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> like I had had this whole part of my brain that never got to get exercised as a kid. Um, I was always a you know straight A student, AP classes, math and science, study hard. And it seemed like when I got to college, sort of like this artistic half of my brain was like, hey, wait a minute, where have you been your whole life? Like you're not even paying attention to me. <laughs> so I decided that I wanted to switch to music, which was kind of a disruptive idea to my parents who 
thought, well, what are you going to do in music? Like, you don't even play an instrument. Well, how are you studying music right now? And, you know, you're going to the school and we're helping you pay the bill. And now you're, they, they thought it was like a waste of money that I would be switching my major to music industry. And I feel like they probably thought that even more as time progressed at college, because when I was in college, the music industry was experiencing like an extreme change. Napster had just started uh, file trading music software. Basically, the entire industry was about to crumble on itself because people were paying money to buy music. They were very accustomed. And then all of a sudden, music was free online. So the whole industry was just crumbling because they were about to figure, you know, how are we going to make money at this thing that now everyone is expecting to get for free? But the whole shift was happening while I was at school. And I said, well, I don't want to change my major. Um, I'm going to finish out this major. But then when I got out of school, it was very much like, well, what the heck do I do now? Because my whole industry is kaput. And I don't know. I just went to school for this. What am I going to do? So to buy time, I figured I'll work at a restaurant. I had worked at restaurants when I was younger. That was like one of my first jobs was a dishwasher at a restaurant. So I thought, okay, this is a skill that I know I still have. I'll just kind of buy some time. And so I started working at a cafe called The Other Side. It was called The Other Side because it was on a street called Newberry Street, which is a very like high-end shopping street in Boston, across street Mass Ave, which yep. is like a main road. So it's, it's basically the one block on the other side of uh, Mass Ave that really, it, the other side was a great name for it because it really was like the flip side of high-end shopping, um, money. It was the complete flip side of that. It was a very punk rock cafe. A lot of bike couriers would, you know, come there on their break. And while they're working on their bikes, they would get like pitches of beer and then go back and deliver packages. There would be a lot of like musicians and just kind of like people that didn't necessarily have any directions or aspirations, but they would be sitting right next to, you know, a lady with a Burberry bag or like people in really nice suits. And it was like a really cool spot where all types of people mingled and they came there because they just loved the food. You know, it was all different types of people, all, all walks of life, but they all shared this common space where they would like all be in the same room together because of this food and this atmosphere. You know, I'll never be able to describe this place to people that have never been there, but it just had this lively atmosphere, very like wild type feel to it, like a really wild place. And it appealed to me when I was looking for a job because I was like, well, it seems like everyone who works here has a really good time working together. They're always laughing. They're loud. Um, they're always playing good music. I was like, that seems like a fun place to work while I figure out what I want to do. So I applied to an opening there. They only had an opening for dishwasher. So I had just graduated college and I started working as a dishwasher there. I remember in my interview, the person who interviewed me was very concerned about making sure that I knew that I was going to get very dirty in the pit and I was going to get covered in water. And it was a slimy thing. Are you sure you want to do this? I always think, I wonder if it was because I was a girl and, you know, he's looking at me going like, I don't know if this girl can handle this, you know, and I just, I've always loved challenges and I've always really loved challenges associated with like gender too, where people will say, well, you can't do that because you're a girl or you can't have that toy because you're a girl or you can't play with this person because you're a girl or whatever. So I've always loved to challenge those types of situations. So for me, this was like, oh, I'm going to show him. I started working there as a dishwasher and within the first week, their brunch cook quit. So they suddenly had an opening for a brunch cook. And I said, oh, can I please try? Like, I love cooking. I make breakfast all the time at home. Can I please try? 
And they're like, well, I guess, I mean, we don't have another option right now. I started working, you know, within my first week, I was on the brunch line, which was extremely busy, extremely fast paced. And I absolutely loved it. I loved every second of it, learning and juggling all the pans. And, you know, you got to time everything right so that you don't overcook um, things and, you know, burn stuff. And it was just such a challenge. And so my three years, I think I was there, I learned every position in the restaurant, brunch cook, sandwich cook, juice station, prep, server. I got into management there. I had so many great experiences at this place that really it was like real life cooking school. You know, it was real life culinary experience. And just every time I had a challenge come my way, I said, you know, I'll take it. Let me try. And that's really like where I learned all that I do today. And it's with me. And I I still think of all those people I worked with and all those fun times we had. It was such a crazy place. And I mean, there's so many stories that I can't even talk about on on the air, but like, there's just, it was wild. And I really, you know, I know that's where this purpose started. There are two things I really noticed that stood out so far that I think people, if they didn't listen or Mm -hmm. they weren't paying attention, one thing was back in college, you stayed true to yourself. You were going in and then you realized, you know what, this isn't what I love. You took a chance. Yep. And then- Another yeah. thing that happened is when you came out and you were ready to dive into the music industry and all the changes happened, you adapted to the change. You were willing to adapt. And actually, the third thing is that you had that determination. You went into that restaurant and you said, no matter yeah. what, I'm going to show mm-hmm. that I can do this, you know, because I'm a girl that doesn't yeah. have to be a dishwasher and a cook. And you just went out. Yeah. And- for part of the expression, but you, know, you just took the, the, the bull by the horns. I was going to say another <laughs> word there, but I yeah. decided to, <laughs> to, and you charged full, full ahead and I mean, succeed in all those positions. <laughs> so, uh, so I didn't mean to inter- interrupt because you know, I'm sitting here, I wish I had popcorn then, you know, while I'm listening to the story, it's, it's very, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I need to do a side transition before we transition to Rochester. I need to transition to, um, I took a six month break from working at the other side. And I went to live in Hawaii, Hawaii for six months. So the person that I met at the cafe, who, who was my boyfriend at the time, his family had property in Hawaii and we were like 26, 27. And we had the opportunity to go live in Hawaii. And we thought, wow, this sounds like a dream. You know, we didn't know what we were going to do there. We didn't know how long we were going to go. We bought one way tickets. And it was basically like, the idea was to like move to Hawaii and just live in Hawaii, like start our lives in Hawaii. But something unique happened over there. You know, we got there. I got a job right away. I was working at a really popular touristy restaurant as a cocktail waitress. And it took him a really long time to get a job. We had a really hard time sitting in there because it's a lot of, you know, there's locals. You know, if you're not a local, it takes people a little while maybe to warm up to you. The island that we lived on was really rural. Um, so it was very like not a lot of people, not a big city, not a lot of big cities or anything. Really, my time there just taught me that your friends and family are everything. It doesn't matter. You could be living in paradise, which, you know, arguably we were. And I was miserable. It was terrible. <laughs> my time there was awful. I disliked it so much on like an internal level that I started to develop like rashes on my body. I had rashes everywhere really embarrassing, like all over my face, all over my neck, you know, my hands, my arms. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I thought maybe I had fungus because, you know, you're in Hawaii, it's tropical. Maybe I had a fungus. There was like one dermatologist on the island. They thought it was fungus. And I said, no, because this had like just started like right before I left to move to Hawaii. 
I just became so anxious about it that I said, I have to move back. I have to go back, be near my family, figure out what's going on with my body. You know, I'm sorry. I know that you had like these hopes and dreams to live here, but I can't, I have to go back. You know, we both decided to move back to the Boston area. My family's from Massachusetts. So it allowed me to like stabilize and I got to go to a dermatologist and that's where they discovered I had developed food allergies. So I was allergic to dairy and wheat. And at this time I was eating a vegetarian diet. So as you can put two and two together, that's all I was eating was bread, cheese, yogurt, milk, um, pizza, bagels, you know, everything that I was eating, I'm now allergic to, and it's making my body break out. I did know that I didn't want to go back to eating meat. Um, I knew I wanted to stay a vegetarian, but now I realized that I was not going to be able to eat the bulk of what I had been eating. So there was a transitional period there where I had to learn to cook, cook for all these new allergies. I had to learn to like go out to eat with these allergies and, you know, my body had to heal itself in that time. So it did take a few years for my body to go back to normal, but abstaining from eating dairy and eating less wheat or no wheat was the thing that did help me. But during that time, I realized how difficult it was to go out to a restaurant while having food allergies and how people you know, made you feel like a burden because you were just trying to order a meal. Not only are you a burden, but literally no one in the kitchen even knows what to cook for you. So you're bothering everyone and you're hungry. <laughs> so it, it was awful, you know, and having these experiences firsthand were absolute motivators in get to where I am now. Living in Boston again, stabilizing these food allergies and then being okay health-wise and then realizing we don't want to work at this cafe our whole lives. You know, we were, we had both gone back to working at the other side. We thought, wow, you know, we've really learned to do every, almost everything here in this, in this job. Why don't we open our own place? It was the perfect age where you like mid twenties, you think, you know, everything you really know nothing. We were like, okay, yeah, we, we learned enough working here. (laughs) Let's go open our own restaurant. So of course it, it was just the perfect storm of timing where We had all of this ambition, but didn't know how much we didn't know yet. My boyfriend at the time, he was from Rochester originally. He knew that in Rochester, there was just starting to be this like growth of like vegetarian. Again, the atomic eggplant had been open, but had just closed, you know, it had closed, but it was a very popular vegetarian restaurant here for years. Lento had just opened and Good Luck had just opened as well. So there was this, you know, the surge of craft cocktail bars and places that were serving some vegetarian options that weren't just like an afterthought, they were actually on the menu. So he thought, wow, you know, I think that if we had a mixed vegetarian and meat eating place with really nice beer and cocktails, it would be really popular right now in Rochester. We came up here to look at the building that Atomic Eggplant was in and he made an offer on the building like that weekend. So we decided we would come up here and start the Owl House together. And that was the first restaurant that both of us started. And um, we were, I think, 27 around that time. A friend of ours too, Brian, was going to be the chef there. We had worked with him in Boston too. And anyway, we took this leap and came here. I really can't express to people enough how much work you have to do to open a restaurant. And there's no blueprint for it. There's no like, you know, step one, do this. Step two, do that. Like it was very much like being on some type of treasure hunt and like, you know, not even having a map. We really didn't know anything. It was definitely an awesome learning experience. And, you know, there's no right way to do any of that. You know, when you're opening a business, it's not like there's one one right way and you just do that. Every decision you make influences 
your final piece, right? For me, it was hard because I'm very much like an in- intuitor and I'm like a feeler and I like, I will like make decisions based on how I think something feels or does that feel right? How do I feel when I make this decision? And my partner was very much different from me. It was very much a black and white, logical thinker, very much by like numbers and planning in that way. And it was an extreme stress trying to work together because we really do have different styles of owning and operating. And ultimately that was what tore not only our relationship apart, but our business partnership as well. We were, I think, four months into the business and I knew it it had to be over. He knew it had to be over. And basically it made the most sense for me to leave because I had invested less monetarily at the beginning, you know, so it was easier to buy me out um, than it would be for me to buy him out. We made a deal. (laughs) I left the business in, I think it was January, 2012. And I had a mandatory waiting period before I could open something else. Um, It was part of the buyout clause. That at the time felt like paralyzing to me, but in hindsight, it was like the best thing for me because it basically forced me to think about this was, this is a transition that you have to make again. And like, where do you want to go? And I spent a lot of time in those five months really thinking and sitting with myself and thinking, well, do I want to go back to school? Do I want to study nutrition? In my mind, you know, I'd gotten really into yoga and I was like, oh, maybe I could be a yoga teacher you know, or should I open my own place? You know, I sat with a lot of these and I kept flipping back and forth between them. And at the end of that waiting period, I ultimately felt that I had to open my own place. And I knew, I said to myself, if I fail, I felt very much like I would probably fail. (laughs) And I was just like, I have to do this because if I don't try, I will literally always wonder my whole life. I'll always wonder, could I have done that? Or what if I had done that? Or why didn't I just do that? It really felt like one of those things where it was like, you know, you have to take this jump and you don't want to, you're really scared. I was like deathly afraid of being outside of someone else's shadow. At least when you have a partner, it's really easy to just hide everything behind that person and say like, well, you know, that was what you wanted. And I knew that wouldn't work. Or I, or I just thought we should have done it this way, but I didn't push hard enough or whatever. And I thought, well, if it's just me and I don't really have to like, argue with anyone about making any type of decision, at least that way I'll know every decision I make, I'll be able to live with because I'll know that that was the decision that felt right to me. And even if it's a failure, you're still, you can be at peace because you know, well, I did the right thing in my heart. I knew I had to take this jump and I was absolutely petrified, but I just said, you know, I I have to do it. And if, if it fails, then at least I'll know. And I can just move on to some regular nine to five job and my mom will be happy, <laughs> you know, because she always wanted me to just be just, why can't you work a regular job? Just nine to five benefits. It just never jived with me. Yeah. And that's when, you know, decided to open the Red Fern, which we're an all vegan restaurant here in Rochester. Even when I was deciding to open this place, I, I did intend to originally open it as a vegetarian restaurant because I was still very worried that all vegan would not succeed and that I would be closed within six months. I had a really good conversation with another local, well, local as like Western New York restaurant owner who um, owned a vegan restaurant here in Syracuse, a very popular vegan restaurant. And he said to me, like, you're vegan, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, why are you opening a vegetarian restaurant? And I was just like, oh, yeah. Wait, what? I was like, no, that makes no sense. You're right. I was so worried that it wouldn't 
wouldn't even be open. You know, I would be, I was so afraid it would close. And I'm just so glad that I had that conversation with him because I absolutely couldn't live with myself right now if we were serving dairy in this restaurant because veganism is so important to me just over all the years now that I've been vegan since 2008. Each year it gets more and more, it's just like woven into me now. There's no way I could go back and there's no way I would ever be okay serving dairy now or meat now. So it's all those things that like they happen for a reason and every little thing led to here. I just love the story because it's just you followed your heart completely and you took all those leaps mm-hmm. of faith. You had that determination, you know, even the first restaurant. It's like, OK, we're just two kids. We think we know everything. Yeah. But it's like what we what we really know, we <laughs> don't know. But you went ahead and did it anyway, really yeah. succeeded, maybe except for the fact that you yeah. realized that you had some differences that couldn't be worked out. But in a way, that's a good thing because. Yeah. That- led you right. where you were here and every obstacle in your life you've turned into an opportunity. Yeah. I just love that story. I mean, I, I really think that <laughs> so many people, especially young people now who are just getting out of school and trying to figure out what they want with their life, you know, are they going to do it to please other yeah. people or are they going to please themselves? And, and are they going to go for what's going to make yeah. them motivated? Cause I know every time I see you, you've always got a yeah. smile on your face. We had a very difficult year. <laughs> Last year, you know, thinking back one year ago now when things started closing and yeah. you seem to have weathered that storm as well. Yeah. I mean, and we were even closed. We were closed for a month. You know, part of that was because of COVID. But then when we were allowed to reopen again, we opted to remain closed and do some kitchen renovating, which expanded our kitchen and allowed us to deal with more high volume which I mean, even that at the time, you know, people thinking, wow, you're going to expand during a pandemic. Like, how are you so sure that this is going to, you're going to go back to these levels that you were at before. And I just thought, well, vegan is growing so much. And this market is like, can't even make these sandwiches fast enough, like for people, because everyone now is curious about vegan, wants to eat vegan, wants to be healthier menus as well. So there's a lot of people that have celiac disease, or they have like, life-threatening nut allergies and to be able to go to a restaurant that cares and designs menus like for you, you know, specifically these people that have these sensitivities that you're not just an afterthought and you're not like a burden at the dining table. That was definitely something I learned when I had those allergies was there are so many other people like me and there's nowhere we can go where we feel safe or where we feel like people you know, care about us too, because it really, you know, every time you just felt like you were bothering the server and bothering the manager, bothering the kitchen. And I never wanted anyone to feel that way. Cause I mean, food is nourishment, you know, and it's not just nourishment on like a cellular level, it's nourishment, like the spirit of like, I really do believe that when you're cooking, you're putting your energy into what you make, um, that energy can be healing, or it can be, you know, the opposite. If you're someone who hates your job, hates your life, hates the food you're making, you know, I feel like you can taste that. And when people care and they put extra love and care into their food, like, you know, everyone can relate to having like a grandma or a parent who their soup was the best, you know, whatever soup they made, it was always the best when grandma made it or whatever. It's that energy. And I really believe in that. So I feel that's something we do really well at the Redfern is having assembled a team of people that are just as caring, just as passionate. I mean, for some of us here, sure, it's just a job. But at least it's a job that they like coming to and they like the people they work with and they get paid better than a lot of places in town and everyone gets a shift meal and a shift drink when they work. So they get to like eat a vegan meal and just try to create like a nice positive environment because 
so many workplaces. I mean, I think everyone listening can relate and think of a workplace that they worked at that was toxic or abusive or unhealthy in some way. And we really spent so much of our time at work, right? I mean, so many people spend eight hours or more a day. To me, it's like, it sure as hell better be something that's fun, you know, or like that you enjoy. The question that I had is, so your staff, I assume when I go in there, because they're very knowledgeable at the dishes, that they're also all vegan, or is that maybe not true? Is that something that, uh, or have you been able to convert people after coming to work there? Yeah, so this this is super cool. So of course, like we don't like discriminate you know, we don't not hire you if you're not vegan, but um, it's always nice when another vegan applies. And I, I'm not totally sure the percentage of vegans to non-vegans, but I, I would definitely say that the percentage is higher of people who work here who are not vegan. But we have had some conversions along the way. And that's very, very cool because it's not something we push. We're not like preachy. We don't make you sign something that says like, oh, I have to go vegan after I work here. Like, obviously we wouldn't do that, but it's cool to watch it naturally happen for staff. I mean, I can think of at least four people over over time who have gone vegan, like after working here. And then of course there are some who are vegan and they apply. And then there's others who just, I mean, even if they eat, you know, vegan or vegetarian one, one extra time, you know, the one extra meal that they're here eating their food, right? Like they have a shift meal and it's like, okay, that meal for them was one meal that day that, that they didn't eat meat, you know, because they ate here and they ate a vegan meal. Even that is like, that's, you know, progress. <laughs> Absolutely. I I really also like the fact that, see, one of the reasons I started the Purposely Positive podcast is because there's so much negativity in the world and I want to bring out positivity in the world. And, you know, there's so much judgment and arguing and you know what? You accept people Mm -hmm. when they come in to work there. It doesn't matter what your dietary habits are. We're going to treat you all the same. We're going to show an attitude of love and acceptance. And this attitude of love and acceptance, if we could just emulate that in ourselves yeah. and in the people around us, we would make a much better world. And that also goes true when it comes to animals. Definitely. I really understand um, how much your mind like plays a role in your reality. I had a lot of health struggles when I was in college. I definitely had a mental breakdown and it was a lot to do with the pressure of having a lot of expectations, like being a very smart kid and like having a lot of expectations of like, you need to do something and you're, you're going to, you need to have a good job. It wasn't like anyone was telling me this, but it was like, just this role. I felt like I had, like I had to perform and I had to be this person for my family and for my friends and my schoolmates or whatever. And that pressure really did crack me because I felt like I had to know right then, you know, college, you're out of college. You need to know now. And it's like, I didn't know. And I didn't, and I knew I didn't know. And that wasn't like, it didn't feel like a good enough answer. And that pressure really made me mentally break. And it was during that time of mental breaking that I realized how much, you know, if your brain is unhealthy, or if you're thinking unhealthy thoughts, or if you're like thinking even to the point of like, oh, I can't do this. If you think you can't, you're not, you won't, you know, like it's very much our reality is influenced by our brain. And so when I really like learned that, you know, it was easy to see every roadblock as just that, just a block in the road, but not like a wall, you know, it was just like a stone, like a big stone in the road. And you would say like, all right, well, I hit a road, I hit another block here. And what can I do to get around? Like, it's almost like, you know, those choose your own adventure books that you read as a kid, you know, you hit a block and then you go to another path or, 
And that's kind of absolutely how I feel life is where it's like, if you hit these blocks, like you can certainly choose to just stop, but you know, what's the point? You're still here. You're still stuck here. You might as well make it something good. I definitely agree with that philosophy. We have to make our lives, we have a choice. And I wrote in my ebook, Strive to Thrive, that we come to a point in our life where we have a wake up call moment. And at that moment in our life, we can choose to either go down the positive path or the negative path, but it's really up to us. Why not choose the positive path? Because it's going to lead us in the better direction and it's going to make us a better person and it's going to help us to make a better world and make a better place for those around us. Right. Why be a black cloud when you can be a rainbow? You have a conscious choice. And I think that it is really hard to see that choice when you, like maybe you are a person who struggles with depression or if you struggle with negative thought patterns. As soon as I had the tools, you know, I've worked with therapists over my life and I have learned very much that these are, you know, you can learn tools to keep your brain from going down those paths or, you know, knowing your triggers of, you know, if I'm in that type of a situation, I need to be careful of X, Y, and Z or whatever, like, you know, working with people to help you train your brain, because it is very easy to just say, like, I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to do anything, or I'm not going to try. It's so much easier when you think of it, it's very much easier to just to just not, but it's way less rewarding. It's way less enriching. It's, as you mentioned, too, you're, you know, you're not really helping anyone else if you're not doing like yourself, you know, so it's really nice to be able to help people with what we do. And people get so excited about what we do here. And it's awesome to be able to share that and just the little things to make people's days better. You know, people have enough things in their lives that suck or that are like depressing or challenge or struggle. You want to be able to provide things for people that can help uplift them and give them a reason to smile. And the food is excellent as well. So I have to throw that in there. Yeah. Thank you. In my story, in my background is I spent like 20 years working as an investigator and been doing that. Oh, cool. And I'm using the same skills now that I used in interviewing people as an investigator to teach, train and coach them to help them to find their purpose and passion in life. So it's the same skill set. That's so cool. (laughs) But it's just in a more positive capacity. So I spent a lot of time when I worked downtown. Yeah, it's it is. I spent a lot of time when I worked downtown popping over to your restaurant. And that's how I got, you know, to know you and some of the people that were working there through the times and got to try. I think by now I've had just about yeah. everything on, on the menu. I would um, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh and being, you know, a vegan myself, I've been I've only been <laughs> vegan for two and two and a half years now, but it's been a journey. And one of the things that I love that's great, is though. yeah, that's great. I love going through some of the old recipes. You know, I come from, you know, German and Italian family and my some of my Italian dishes to convert those dishes yeah. like a lasagna or stuffed shells yeah. or Sunday sauce and do that in a way that's vegan and that people yep. come over and they taste it and they go, oh, this is really good. That is just priceless when you can make somebody happy with a meal and you know that you're giving them something that you can be proud of serving them. Yeah, absolutely. I know that was one of my favorite challenges when I was transitioning to vegan was, you know, converting all my, my mom's family recipes were Greek. Um, my family's Greek. And, you know, there were a lot of things that my mom was just horrified that I wouldn't be able to eat anymore. You know, she said, well, what are you going to do about feta cheese? You know, she always said, oh, what about feta cheese? 
And I was like, mom, you know, so it's, it was cool to like develop recipes for that. But then now there's all these great products that, you know, you don't even have to make some of these things anymore. There's some awesome available vegan cheeses and, you know, egg substitutes and this, the products have gotten so good since whatever that was 13 years ago, products have grown leaps, leaps and bounds. And I think it is from people transitioning and, you know, they want to eat something that tastes just as good. You know, why can't we have both? You know, the quality doesn't have to be sacrificed and neither the life doesn't have to be sacrificed either. It's like a win-win for all. If people want to reach out to you, maybe stop by the restaurant if they're in the Rochester area or just reach out and say hello, how would they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the Red Fern has a bunch of social media outlets. So I'll tell you those now. We have um, Facebook, Instagram, Red Fern Rock, Twitter, Red Fern Rock. You can message us on there. You can also find me directly on Instagram. I'm andogram is my handle. Through email, you can send an email to Andrea at redfernrochester.com or just to the restaurant in general, info at redfernrochester.com. They all come to me. So however you want to write to us, is I'll I'll see it. (laughs) Well, no matter where you are in the world right now, I'd encourage at least go to the website, check out the Redfern in Rochester, New York, check out their menu, and you'll be surprised at uh, some of the wonderful things that are on there. So before we close today, Andrea, I just want to ask the question that I like to ask all mm-hmm. of the guests on the show, and that is simply, what does being purposely positive mean to you? Well, I think that being purposely positive means to make the conscious choice to choose positivity and light over dark, negative, depression, things like that. Anything that you do, any of your actions, trying to use them for something positive that could help other people. And by helping other people, you know, you, you do help to heal yourself as well. Well, Andrea, I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing this amazing story. I mean, it really is how you really stayed true. As I said earlier, you stayed true to yourself. You stayed focused. You overcame obstacles in your life. You turned those obstacles around into opportunities. And now you are here in Rochester. You're providing just a wonderful service and a service of love to the people in the area, really serving your purpose. To me, to turn your passion into your profession is just an amazing thing. So I just want to really thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Tony. I really enjoyed this. You know, it has been a tremendous growth opportunity in my life. And I really just hope that other people get to have a similar experience and just constantly reminding yourself that whenever you hit a roadblock, that's not the end of the road. Like you just have to go around that. You just find a way to get around it, get creative in those ways and ask other people for help too. ask other people for help. If it's something you don't think you know enough about, you can always ask people who are in that field or learn through experience. Thank you very much. I had such a good time talking with you. That was awesome. I just want to throw out there before I close today, just if anyone is interested in taking control of their health and maybe considering a vegan way of life or even heading slightly in that direction, I would want to highly recommend a book by Dr. Michael Greger. G-R-E-G-E-R is the last name, and it's called How Not to Die. He also has a book called How Not to Die It. Those are two wonderful books, and I highly (laughs) recommend them. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast. 
brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. You know, if you're out there, you're trying to find meaning and purpose in your life, and you feel like you're just striving where you're at and want to start thriving, come to TonyWCoaching.com and download the ebook Strive to Thrive, and that'll get you in the direction that you want to go. 